Actually, guys, can you give me one minute? Can I take that call? Yeah, sure. absolutely. Mike and I are ready to do this podcast with Gerald, and he walks away. Too big, too important for talking to Mike and I. I get it. It's good to be the Gerald, I guess. But All right, sorry about that. No problem. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Squat Cobbler. I'm Dr. Mike, and joining me as always... Hi, everybody. This is Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. And please like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Oh, nice. I was I was going to go right into it, but you were ready with it this week. I, wa- I wanted to get ahead of you once, so... Oh, I appreciate it. It was good. I liked it. Now... If anybody has any trepidation about that, don't worry. This is not a Kelly topic week because as we've learned, the Kelly topics are a little edgier than the Dr. Mike topics. There's some truth to that recently, I'd say. I brought in illegalization of marijuana, delete Facebook. Yeah, I'd say it's a pretty fair point. So we're going to we're going to stay away from the the hard edge politics, drug talk pedophilia and everything else that we tend to touch wait, on. Wait, time, time out. Time out. Episodes. You threw some bonus content in there that, that uh, I had not advanced a story on. I'd just like to clarify. I mean, I definitely remember pedophilia coming up in that talk. Yeah, I did. Why, why don't you go back and re-listen to see who trotted that bad boy out? Yeah, but it was within the framework that you had established. And when I say bad boy, I meant of legal age. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Let me let me take the reins back real quick and get us on topic a little bit. So I was perusing through the YouTube and came across a strange video and I watched it. It was really cool. So I immediately sent it over to Kelly. As you guys know, Kelly and I, huge music fans. We share a lot of, of odd things on this show with you guys and with each other and interesting things that we come across. Now we we've touched on before the idea of you know, artists having bonus tracks or, or little Easter eggs on albums and things like this. But I came across something that I feel takes that sort of above and beyond. Now, before we even get too far into it, Kelly, when I sent you the video and you watched it, what was kind of your initial reaction to it? I was amazed. It all kind of made sense as it was described. But for someone to have done what you will describe shortly, that's a super creative individual, tech savvy as well. And... Uh, brought me back to my early days of computing when a cassette tape was involved in the storage of programming. Which is an interesting thing in and of itself. So we have on this show brought up old school computer and video game equipment and things like that. And particularly, uh, I brought up the C64 Mini, which coming in the long line of recent mini consoles that have come out. uh, This was another one of them. It was a small replica of a Commodore 64 keyboard that came preloaded with some programs. But more interestingly, it came preloaded with basics so that you could actually install programs and even do some programming on it. Now, it did have some downsides though there's only a couple usb ports the actual replica keyboard is not usable it is just the face of the unit itself and you only had a couple of usb ports so to really get the most out of it you had to hook up a usb hub to it so that you could add a usb keyboard as well as use the joysticks and use a memory stick if you need a usb memory stick if you needed to add 
extra games and programs and things to it. But what interested me about the system was more the actual computer aspect of it. Because, of course, with the Nintendo and Sega minis and PlayStation and all that, you can hack those and add games to those. But this was something that actually invited you to use this as you would a computer. And to me, that was the real hook of this unit versus the other ones. And there is a full-size version that's coming out, I guess, based on the success of that. I believe around the holidays, which I intend to be purchasing, it is a full-size working Commodore 64 keyboard that you will hook up and has multiple USB ports on it and already a step ahead with a usable keyboard. So one of the things as I started delving into this that I noticed is there's still a huge following for the Commodore 64. There are actually new games, and I don't mean just homebrew, like actual game companies, the names of which have existed since the Commodore you know, heyday, that are still publishing new games. They're picking up games uh, from small programmers or programming groups groups who are big fans of this and they are publishing them you can get them digitally or you can buy fully packaged like collector's editions of them so it's really cool to see that there's so much support for this still so as i was watching some videos about these newer programs and games that you can get to add to my c64 mini so that i can be a little bit more knowledgeable when the full size version comes out and that'll be set neatly in the living room so that i can monopolize the the main TV in the family room with my old school computer wizardry. But as I was kind of boning up on this, of course, you know, YouTube algorithms, videos similar, you know, because content matching and and they're always listening. Um, <laughs> a lot of Commodore 64 and old school gaming and computer related videos have been showing up in, in my suggested video feed. So something popped up that seemed to combine Commodore 64 as well as music, which obviously Kelly and I are both huge music fans. So... <laughs> Let me just read you the uh, headline here. 35-year-old C64 Easter egg hidden on vinyl. So what this video is, it is from a channel called 8-Bit Show and Tell. And on this video, which is a little over 17 minutes long, they get into the story of the Christian rock band Prodigal. I have never heard of them. As we've established before, I am not a fan of music that is overtly religious or political. Even if it's something that I agree with, I don't need my own views shoved down my throat. And as Kelly touched on in the last video, you know, if you can be so easily swayed by listening to a song or seeing an ad or something like that on your own beliefs, maybe you should think more about how deeply invested in those beliefs you are. So I'm not a big fan of religious music, so maybe Prodigal's a big deal in the Christian rock field. I don't know. My Christian rock knowledge pretty much begins and ends with Striper and that one song, that Flood song from George, Jars of Clay. That's pretty much it. That's my knowledge of Christian rock. Yeah, I so know that I, Tony O.K. has flooded. Oh, Tony, Tony O.K. previously mentioned on, a, on Nurture and Supports and Squat Cobblers. He has floated in and out, and I think he's back in more to Christian music as well, which is an interesting guy to have that. And even when he was doing more straight rock stuff, there was clearly references. We've talked about this on some past ones as well. I did want to mention at this point, my greatest disappointment of all is that Prodigal never had a comeback. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. I liked it. I liked it. I was pausing for the studio audience. I liked it though. I thought it was a good joke, but yeah, no Kelly and Kelly touched on something interesting too. There are artists, uh, who dabble, I guess, in in spiritual music. You know, Alice Cooper is born again, as we've kind of discussed, and that hasn't had necessarily a huge impact on his music. Uh, bizarrely, Prince got very religious towards the end of his life, and he was always religious, and there were always some religious themes in some of his songs. But later in his life, it, it became a source of friction 
with his music and his fans because he specifically became a Jehovah's Witness and they are much more limited in the things that they can say and do in the specific rule book. I guess that their 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 playbook they're working off of. Uh, so that became a huge issue with some of his back catalog and trying to merge those two things together. I think it's tough to play songs like Pussy Control when you are trying to also give a sermon in the next breath. So I it doesn't always work <laughs> when that happens, but it's interesting too. And I don't I don't personally slight anybody for their beliefs. I, I think you should believe whatever you want. I think you should discuss whatever you want in your music. I just don't know who Prodigal are because it's not my type of music. And I still don't. I haven't actually like investigated their music any further than this. Did you check anything out, Kelly? I, I did not, and I do not have any of their works in my catalog. Okay, so, well, for you guys, you super hardcore Christian rock fans, Prodigal uh, released an album in 1984 called Electric Eye. Title, interesting, and sounds more like a metal album than a Christian rock thing, like an 80s metal kind of thing. Cool looking cover. The cover looks like a prog band kind of thing. You'll, If you are familiar with prog music, you'll know exactly what I mean, and you'll agree with me when you see it. But on there, uh, there is a a little groove that is separate from the album close to the actual label on the, I believe it was on the second side of the record. And when you play it, you hear a lot of staticky noise and beeps and things like that. That is, as Kelly mentioned, back in the day, there were programs that were put onto cassette tapes. We've talked about cassette tapes numerous times on here. That is actually a program, a tiny, tiny program, but a program for the Commodore 64 that is on a vinyl record. And to access this, which apparently, even though the band did, I guess, discuss this later at some point, not many people had actually seen it or been able to transfer it to their Commodore 64. And even on the 8-Bit Show and Tell video, he had some trouble doing it. He had to make a tape of... So he had to record the sound, make a tape of that sound, and adjust the audio levels so that the tape player for the Commodore 64 could read the coding that was in there. Basically, all you got out of it, again, sticking with the religious theme, was a screen with uh, some quotes, including a quote from Jesus, presumably from the Bible. So it's not, you know, amazing, but the actual fact that that exists is amazing to me. <laughs> It is. And, and I guess we're not shocked it wasn't Grand Theft Auto or something like that. That it would probably be thematically a little more time. But yeah, just amazing stuff. And it, I'm surprised, particularly as you mentioned, they, they at least kind of tip some folks off uh, eventually. But to it really not getting much noticed until, until recently. It's just an amazing little, little goodie. The best part is, I don't know if you perused the comments at all. There is a pinned comment. It may be at the top or near the top from someone saying that they are the late singer of Prodigal's son and that they had never actually seen it and thanking this person because their dad had always talked about it because he was so proud that they, they put this on there, but he had never actually seen it for himself. So thanking this guy for making the video so that he could see this thing his dad had told him about for years. So Mike had shared this with me. I thought it was very cool. And then I thought what might be nice for this particular episode is to obviously talk about it, but then to also give some thoughts to what other sort of album chicanery was out there that was, was worth mentioned. And I had a couple that I wanted to kind of throw your way. I think a couple of these you're, oh, I know a couple you're going to be familiar with. A couple maybe not. So before I jump off on that though, anything else we want to do about Prodigal and Commodore 64? Um, so I've never actually listened to the album. I am excited though, now that, you know, this is out there. I'm assuming somebody's already, you know, put this out there. I would love 
when the full size C64 comes out, if I can get a hold of one of those tape drives, if there's some way to make that work on there, I would love to try and do this myself. I mean, obviously you can watch the video of it and I'm sure there's emulated copies of it out there now, but I would love to try and actually transfer the audio myself. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, it would be be a pretty fun experiment for sure. So in, in my experience, of course, the, what I think is we get into the albums with double grooves, the idea that you can, you can flip, it's a three-sided album and there are two sets of grooves and that spiral one inside the other. And depending on where the needle catches, you either get one, one side of an album or, or one set of songs or another set of songs. And the one that was always the most familiar to me was Monty Python's Matching Coat and Tie, which had a bonus set of a whole other side of an album material if you caught that second side just right. So I'm assume that was one you had some awareness of, Mike? Absolutely. It was actually um, a gentleman named Jim Gallagher who taught me a lot of what I know about audio engineering, who brought that to my attention. So that one was super cool. And then not as much uh, in the hidden content side and more just interesting visual visual appeal split ends on their album true colors did laser etching so that as you had that nice black vinyl rotating on there they had hit it with laser etching that would kind of give you that prismatic effect and you would see all kinds of shapes and different kind of features as the album played you really haven't seen too many other people do that i thought it was another kind of brilliant addition to the medium so i've seen etched albums but not used in the way that you're describing more with there are albums that are three sides and for the blank backside of what would be the fourth record i've seen like etchings and things on there yeah do you spend any time on your vinyl looking through on that very intersection uh very close to the label a lot of times there is what almost looks hand etched i know it can't be i would assume it can't be but there will sometimes be either a serial number or those types of things are you familiar have you seen those before Yes. Yeah. I have a number of records with those, um, some with intentionally hidden things in there. So they are sort of handed. I don't know how familiar with vinyl manufacturing you are. Uh, not at all. Okay. So those are sort of hand etched. So what they do when they're mass manufacturing vinyl. So just, I'm not saying this to plug myself, but like the pagan records are not made like a regular vinyl record. The vinyl releases we've done, those are all hand cut into a special thicker material the traditional vinyl that you get in a store though the regular black 12 inches are stamped vinyls with stamped vinyls what they do is they make an acetate copy of the record first and then they make the plates off of the acetate so what they would do sometimes is they would actually etch something around that groove there which because of a tv show which will eventually be a recommendation of mine called dead wax people now call dead wax and they will etch something into that acetate that they make their masters for the stamper from yeah i just remember when uh, i eagerly got face dances uh, the first two album post to keith moon and rushed home to listen to it uh, was looking fondly at the the vinyl and it was just messages it was like ready steady who on one side and like a brand new who on uh, the other side, just little kind of messages to the fans. I thought that was kind of cool. And so it's, I had to start looking through my other albums and wonder how many other times has the band been reaching out to me and I've missed it. No, I, I always thought that was cool. And it is the one thing like I'd always thought if we were going to do vinyl records that I would love to do that. Again, though, our vinyls are completely hand cut. So I feel like we we one up that a little bit. But yeah, those they are sort of hand done because it, that initial acetate master they do hand cut those messages into there and then make the stamper off of that want to kind of mention a couple others here for you this is a triple track <laughs> so this is on the on the on one side of the album there are three concentric grooves 
Are you familiar at all with uh, an album called You're the Guy I Want to Share My Money With? No. It's by Laurie Anderson, who's brilliant, and I'm sure these other two guys are too, but Laurie's amazing. (laughs) Uh, William S. Burroughs and John Giorno. And the title track is, there's a performance of each of these three artists of that title track on the second side when you kind of catch the right groove on that. So I was unaware of that as I was looking to say, let me look for a couple other ones. I came across that. I'm a huge Laurie Anderson fan. So I thought that one was good. And then the last one I'm going to bring up is kind of a spoiler for future content. And I've talked just a little bit to Mike about this, but uh, recently a coworker found out about our podcast, found out about the content of our podcast and with enthusiasm far beyond what he should have is like, I totally need to get on your podcast and we need to talk music. He's a drummer, big, big music guy. And one of his favorite bands is tool, the kind of simplistically spelled T O O L tool and the, uh, other. the rookies, they don't really know how to do it, but he's a gigantic tool fan. And he wants to do like a series <laughs> of, of tool uh, albums with us which i think would be great because he he you know he he's legit he went through and started listening to some of our stuff he talked about the nine inch nails review we had and i uh, had kind of made his way all the way through that so yay another listener hope he's liked and subscribed i'll need to check uh but, like and subscribe especially if you want to come on the show come right. on that's right that'll be a prerequisite but apparently there was a 12 inch uh, ep by tool called opiate and there was a one side had that would one track would play either the Gaping Lotus Experience or Cold and Ugly Live. So much like Nine Inch Nails, Tool strikes me as a group that I should have listened, should be more familiar with and probably be a big fan of, but I'm not. So I'm looking forward to catching the two songs I just talked about and anything else we can, but he's, he's ready to roll. And so offline, I'll share with you some of his initial thoughts. And so spoiler for the squatties out there, you're going to get some tool album reviews coming up here in a little bit. Very nice. So I, I am familiar with tool. Obviously I'm familiar with William S. Barrows. Fair enough. (laughs) As I'm sure Kelly is as well. Not so much outside of he has intersected with Laurie Anderson on kind of multiple. And so that I've had familiarity there. That's that's all you need to know. You're a William S. Barrows fan. Okay. Yay. <laughs> Good for me. <laughs> he may have done some other stuff too, but don't worry about that. Just focus on the stuff you know. Okay. Which is very little. <laughs> so <laughs> just focus on that. <laughs> You're good. Okay. Noted. <laughs> I was not familiar with that, with that record. Um, I am familiar with Tool, of course. I uh, wasn't familiar with that record. I, I do love when people do things like that. Another thing that I'm a big fan of that I wasn't aware of for a long time is locked grooves in records. So I'm not familiar with that. So uh, w- I believe my introduction to it was with Metal Machine Music, the Lou Reed record. Yeah, that's oh. that's... <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> so on the original pressings of it, and I believe on the most recent like anniversary deluxe edition, they did it as well. There's a locked groove at the end. So the last uh, however many seconds turns into a loop that will never end. If you play it on a turntable, it won't run out. It'll just keep feeding back into itself, creating like an infinite loop of the last you know 30 seconds or whatever it is of the final track on the album technically creating an album that never ends until you get up and physically take the needle off of the record. There's been a handful of other bands that have done that. Um, it is something because I'm a big Lou Reed fan and because it's something that really interests me. It is something we've been exploring even on the pagan side with our vinyl guy doing a very short vinyl only release that technically will never end like an ambient track that will just go on forever. 
but we've been trying to figure out the logistics of doing that with hand cut vinyl and finding just the right timing because it has to be perfect all right all right i'll contribute to that and carry pagan again if you need me to <laughs> we will sir yeah you'll you'll need me on the lock track no doubt <laughs> that'd be awesome that would be i hope you can i hope you can sort that out what the logistics would be to pull that off because that would be very cool yeah, I, I thought it'd be great to make like a really small vinyl record, maybe like a five inch or something like that. That's only a few minutes long, but is technically a, a never ending ambient track once it hits that locked groove. I still think we need to work on a pagan squat cobbler uh, collaboration where you apply some of the amazing ambient stuff you guys do and kind of weaved into that is all of our YouTube comments we've received over the years. <laughs> <laughs> dramatic readings over Dramatic, yes that could be magic <laughs> i think we probably need to revise it to like subscribe and comment so <laughs> although it just plays forever <laughs> so anything else on album chicanery no i'm a big fan of it the only things that we've done are at this point so i there was an album I, i'm not going to mention the the band's name because we no longer work with them not anything negative against them just you know business stuff um we no longer work with them but i i'd released so if you look at the the legal jargon on the back of pagan releases, um, all of our stuff comes out through Universal through a company called Genepool, which is a, a label under the Universal umbrella, licensed from MCB Entertainment. MCB Entertainment is a company that I own that technically owns the pagan name and all of the material that I write. That's how we keep it's boring legal stuff, but that's how we keep control of all of our own material. So through through that limited liability corporation that we established, that I established. So everything comes out through there. So Mike has mysteriously left the call. <laughs> I will stay on for a little while, see if he comes back. There was a, a sound of a mic dropping, so... We, we might have lost Mike forever, folks. This could be a very special squat cobbler. So this is, for anyone listening, this now you know why I do this with somebody, because I imagine this is pretty painful to listen to. And, and I'm so, back. And he's back. <laughs> Yay, Google. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there's some, I'll have to make some decisions on, I filled, I filled time while you were gone. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> very interested to see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, I may, I may get you a copy of the, uh, I'm not going to keep it all, but maybe, maybe some of it. We'll see. So, so like I was saying, but we, we have occasionally released music for other bands as well. And in fact, uh, the next one will be just a shamelessly plug. The next Starscream record will be coming out through our company through Universal. But there was an album we released early on from another band and we were having a hard time getting people to listen to it as far as writing reviews. And I had written a little bit for different websites. So I know when you're doing that, you just get inundated with a million things. You're lucky if, you know, your CD is, you know, one of the 500 they got that week that they even bothered to listen to. So I came up with this idea where I mixed the review copies so that it started really low so that they would have to turn the volume up really loud in order to hear it. And then each track got progressively louder. So they had to keep turning it back down to keep them interacting with the album and looking at it and paying attention to it. And it actually worked. A few websites told me they reviewed it because of that. They caught on to what I was doing, thought it was clever and ended up writing the review mainly because of that. So, but I, I would love to hide more things in records. That's another t-shirt right there. <laughs> hide things in records. I'd love to hide more things in records. <laughs> so, 
soon as soon as the squat cobbler merchandise mart gets up and running we're gonna gonna be able to kind of live a life of luxury mike because these are these everyone is gonna want many of these t-shirts we've identified everyone needs an earth mother bush t-shirt an r.i.p booty dust <laughs> he's acknowledging it see it's real it's fake news r.i.p booty dust hashtag fake news it's, it's not, real not real you can't, it's real it's not real totally real so I kind of wish you didn't come back. <laughs> it was going so much better when it was just me. Uh, so take that into account for future. So this will become Kelly knows. I'll just <laughs> chat away. Well, I think we've given the people there's money's worth uh, since we're free uh, for for this week. Any uh, party? Com- I know we were making a we're making a lot of noise about a Halloween special that obviously never came together. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe next year, maybe a Christmas special. We'll work on it still. But enjoy yeah, I was gonna it. say. I, I mean, we could definitely still do what our plan is, though. Yeah, definitely. We will work on that. We've got some other pretty interesting content coming up. Uh, obviously, some tool reviews, as I've mentioned. We've got a couple other uh, guests going to be coming on, doing some fun stuff. And you'll probably can we a... call those tool on tool? Well, it's going to be. You know, I probably need to change my Twitter biography or my tagline on for this show is you know, no, I'm not familiar. Oh, tell me more about this, since it seems like lately things come up, and I'm like, eh, I didn't really know that. So, yeah, this will be. Um, it'll be new territory for me. So you and and uh, Jim, who's the gentleman who's going to join us, uh, you'll you'll be able to speak with uh, great authority, and I'll uh, I'll do my best. Uh, so it will be um, it will not be tool on tool. <laughs> so it's going to be a confusing show. Though. It should be. <laughs> well, maybe we can. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Well, so on that note, I'm going to say thank you to everybody for, for listening. Hope you do like, subscribe, and comment. Thank you, everyone. All right, I'm going to stop the broadcast.